0: Just before you're seated, turn to one or two next to you and say, I'm so glad that I'm here with you and in his presence. Hallelujah. 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 Just to keep before you, and we will do this all year long because there's always somebody else just coming along. As a church, we have adopted this great devotional, classic devotional called My Upmost for His Highest. We're getting good reports uh, of people saying that they're having devotions together with their spouse, that they're sharing with co workers. But just so many others have been honest to say, you know, you you talk about having a devotional life, but life happens. And just to have this simple tool that it's daily is making a difference in my life. My attitude is healthier. So for those of you that may not know what I'm talking about, you can can look on our website. You can go to the information desk. We can uh, put you in contact uh, through either... Constant contact, Facebook, whatever medium you want to use to get this before you every day. As I'll keep encouraging you, find the time in which it's quality time for you. And uh, whether it's the early morning, mid-afternoon, lunchtime, whatever. And just steal away those few moments that it takes to read this devotional. You'll find that these devotions are absolutely just loaded even though they're concise, just loaded with deep information that causes you just to want to go a little deeper in your relationship. And uh, it's just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful gift that God gave to the body of Christ through Oswald Chambers and his wife, Biddy, so many years ago. So, again, I'm going to keep that before you. I told you this year, I mean, we're going to stay focused. There's a lot of things that distract us. So we need those things in our life that are constants that causes us to find that time to make sure that we're still on talking terms with our Lord. We're just saying have a little talk with Jesus, Well, you've got to make sure we're still talking to Him. <laughs> he wants to hear from us, but are we talking to Him? If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 14 through 18. If you'll stand with me for the reading of God's Word. I will apologize up front, still a little... Congested, so if I sound uh, like Donald Duck a little bit, everybody loves Disney characters, right? The title that I would give today is is not a newfound title. I use it in multiple different ways, especially with the name of the church now being Grace Life Church just falls in alignment of just growing in grace, not just. Receiving it now and then again, growing in it. Not just hoping it'll show up, and it will, but growing in it, being intentional. Put ourselves in position to be able to grow. Second Peter chapter three, verse fourteen, it'll start off with the words, therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these. So the previous reading is talking about there will be a new heavens and a new earth eventually. So that's what he's referring to here now as we talk about, Therefore, beloved, since you are waiting for these, be diligent to be found by him without spot or blemish and be at peace. And count the patience of our Lord as salvation, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him. As he does in all his letters when he speaks in them of these matters. Now, there are some things in them that are hard to understand, which the ignorant and unstable twist to their own destruction, as they do with other scriptures. We know that happens. Now, pay very close attention as he winds down. You, therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Amen. If you agree, say amen as well. God bless you. You may be seated. He's... He has shared so much. This is his second letter to these people. These people have gone through great adversity. They've been dispersed from their home, and they've been spread all over the then known world, which today we would know to be modern-day Turkey. And He's staying in contact with them. He doesn't have Facebook to be able to keep up with them, so occasional letters that would keep them encouraged. What Peter would not have known is he was so inspired of God as he's writing this that we still have record of it this day, and it's still speaking to us as if we, as well, are living at that time. That's how current that it is. And we're battling the same things now as they were then, that people get into our lives and they twist the truth and eventually weaken it, of course, and they just make it to fit to their lifestyle that they want to live. He said, don't let this happen to you. Don't lose your stability. The Bible talks about standing in the Lord, standing under the promises of God. When you don't know what else to do to stand, you just stand. And so the Word of God is always talking about strength and it's talking about position. And now it's talking to us once again to stand. And yet, he's telling us that we can get unstable, that certain winds of adversity come in our life and topple us over. How did that happen when we used to be so stalwart? We used to be so solid in the faith, and now this new wind of doctrine comes through, this, this charismatic personality comes through, and everybody's flocking to them. And well, not uh, everybody can't be wrong, so I'm going to join in. Maybe I didn't have to adhere to certain things. Because now it looks like they're getting blessed by not honoring them. So I'll just abandon those things that's been important to me. All these things are possible. So he writes to them. He said, Don't let it happen to you, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and see his glory. It kind of sounds like our motto here no, grow, show. Grow in the knowledge, grow in grace, keep growing. At the same time, show the love of God to others, the favor of God in your life. What I want to do today is a very foundational kind of message. It, it, it absolutely is one of those kind of messages that can, can establish somebody and for others stabilize them again. There's a certain book uh, I shared with you a couple weeks ago, another book that was important to me, but the book Celebration of Disciplines is a book that I've had in my library now for better than 30 years. The man that wrote this particular book was a Quaker. We think, well, what's a Quaker got to say to us? And the celebration of disciplines, even the Church of God as a denomination has made it mandatory now in candidates for ministry that we call the MIP program or Ministerial Intern Program. It's required reading. It's a book that I've read from multiple times, I've taught from many times. It's something that needs to be shared. What is the celebration of disciplines? Because as soon as we hear the word discipline, some of us get real scared. Now, I've been a person that I value discipline most of my life, whether it's physical discipline, mental discipline, spiritual discipline, those things that keep us. When when if we weren't disciplined, we'd find ourselves going astray or becoming so out of shape that it was Almost impossible to get back, so you maintain a diet, you maintain an exercise regimen in your life. Same thing goes for us spiritually. In these disciplines, Richard Foster would talk about the inward disciplines, the outward disciplines, and the corporate disciplines. The inward disciplines may be things such as fasting and prayer. The outward disciplines come along, and and, and we may be talking about solitude, getting alone with God, as well as our service unto God. And those corporate disciplines in our life as well talk about things such as what we just experienced, worship together. How many of you are glad you came and worshiped with somebody else today? Just raise your hand. It makes a difference, doesn't it? It's all right to say that. It's all right to say, you know what? I feel better. Well, you shouldn't talk about feelings with church, it's all spiritual. Let me tell you something. The spirit bone's connected to the natural bone, okay? I feel better when I get around certain people. Can we all agree to this? Sometimes we get around other people that pull us down, and we don't feel good once we just get in their proximity. Hello. And there's other people like, oh, they're in the room. I want to get next to them. Why? Because they're always laughing. They're always happy. They're always encouraging. They're always pulling somebody else up. I want to be around that kind of person. And what's even better, I want to be that kind of person. So it's these disciplines that that Foster brought out that we can celebrate. We can celebrate fasting. I don't feel like fasting today, so I sure don't want to celebrate it. What is he telling us? So I'm going to use a big phrase on you right now. It's called spiritual formation. Turn to somebody and say, spiritual formation. Boy, that sounds stuffy, doesn't it? I mean, we're in theology 101 somewhere. And yet, it's biblical. And it's not just for ministerial interns. It's for every one of us. The formation of our spirit. Just like we see our physical being changing its form through adolescence and transforming into adulthood, the same thing happens to our spirit. I hope this is helping somebody today. Paul writes this way in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19, you'll see where he makes almost a, a strange expression being a male. He is saying with you that I am in the pain of birthing until... Christ be formed in you. Now anybody that's ever cared for their children, if you're a Christian parent and you're, you're, you have your own biological children, adopted children, foster children, somebody under your care, and you want to see them come to the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ, You're praying for them that that will happen. You're encouraging them. You're taking them to the house of God. You want them to be around other people. You want them to listen to Christian music. You're doing everything you can do, and you're doing it painstakingly so that you can see the evidence that Christ is also in their life, not just in their mind. Say amen, somebody. As Sunday school teachers, children's church workers, pastors, shepherds, It's the same thing once you're in this kind of business and you care for somebody else's soul. You want to see those students grow in the faith. You want to see them get established. You want to see evidence in their life. To me, it's a travesty to find someone that's been churched for decades and there's no change in their life. But it happens because something's wrong with their spiritual formation. So then again, this is why Peter was writing. He said, I'm as if I'm like a woman who knows I am carrying a child, maybe more. If your name's Kimball, you'll keep more than one in that <laughs> oven. And you, you go through that period of time knowing it, it'll just be a few weeks, it'll be a few days, and they're going to be out. And so it's the same thing as... I'm carrying this, as, as a woman would carry a child, until the birthing, until, in this case, Christ is formed in you, to where now, okay, now it's personal. Now you can grow in the grace, but until I see that evidence, I'm going to keep praying. I'm going to keep speaking in you. I'm going to keep pouring into your life. Again, these disciplines speak of that. There are certain old songs, and some of our song mix today like have a little talk with Jesus, has a few years on it. I don't know how old that song might be. Carrie, you have any guess? 30s? So that's been a few years. But it still has pep, doesn't it? Another one of those songs is Rock of Ages. Listen to the words. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me pure. Listen to the formation of that songwriter. Acknowledging that the sacrifice Jesus made is for our benefit. So that we can be saved, justified from wrath. In other words, we can be forgiven. And don't leave me there. Make me pure. Sanctify me. Charles Wesley wrote a song entitled O for a Thousand Tongues. And in there he talks about to break the power, listen to this, of canceled sin. Well, if it's canceled, can it still have power? Obviously it can. It may still be on the shelves and it had a date on it that's expired, but it's still on the shelves. It can still be purchased. It can still be brought into a person's life and consumed. And so it is with canceled sin. Jesus canceled it on the cross. He shed his blood and paid the price for our sin. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. And yet we still sin. Oh, no, you're not ready to say hallelujah on that one. This whole thing of spiritual formation reminds us that yes, the price has been paid and yet I'm still living a natural human life and I battle with temptation. I struggle against certain things. There are some vices that I watch other lives being destroyed by that never ever bother me, but it's something else that I struggle with. It's something else that I've battled with for years. I know it's been paid for, I know it's canceled, but why does it still have power? And what can I do about it? It's the word grace. For the next few moments, I just want to camp out at grace. A term that we use periodically, some constantly, it's just bigger than life word. It's a word that I continue to pour myself into so that I can get another glimpse, another dimension, another angle of it. To begin with this thing called grace, if you've been around anybody that's a Christian, anybody that's been churched, anybody that ever uses the word grace, the next thing out of their mouth is probably going to be something like this. It's unmerited favor. And I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's that and so much more. I love the name Grace Life, that we may grow in the grace, that we can live a life acknowledging the grace of God. When we change the name of the church from Marietta Church of God to Grace Life, one individual that doesn't attend here said, I like that name change because it's not a name any longer that describes where you're located. It says who you are. Grace life, as what I said to you, in leading into that change, when it's something that we can be measured by now. It's that finger in the back. It's when someone comes up, hey, aren't you people all about grace? You don't act like it right now. And sometimes we need that finger in the back. Turn to somebody and say, it's probably you he's talking about. (laughs) That's really grace right there, isn't it? This grace... It is unmerited favor. But the grace of God is everything to us. Everything. There is nothing, absolutely nothing in our life but for the grace of God. The breath that we have is by the grace of God. Every relationship, every benefit. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, comes from God himself. The grace of God. And when it comes to the grace of God, there is without a doubt times where God just pours out from the windows of heaven into our life. There are those times that the grace of God is immeasurable in our life, we're like, where did that come from? Had I sown seeds somewhere before and now the harvest is coming in? Maybe. But there are times it's like, I don't know why God's so good to me. Is that speaking to anybody today? You've had those times in your life? All of a sudden, you met new friends. You're like, where have you been all my life? You are what I've been looking for. The grace of God brought us together. Sometimes it's through tragedy. And yet you would have another way now because you were bonded to this person by the grace of God. The promotion at, at your work. One of our members here, one of our deacons here today made this statement, retired, gone into another position, thought that I'm going to take a job that I really wanted and got down to two people and he didn't get that job. His words, I felt dejected, had no idea what was coming next and he said, my life is so blessed. I've got another job now that set me up so much better in retirement again. And I'm already vetted than if I'd have taken that other position. That's grace, folks. That's grace. And even though there are those times that God pours out of His Spirit in that way, most of the grace of God happens in our life through an interactive relationship. And this is where the disciplines come in. Listen to me very closely. I use the expression that I was raised in performance Christianity. I'm not saying that to be ugly, I'm not saying that to be mean. I'm trying to help others that have tasted that world or who may look at it and say, that's the way I want to go, especially when it comes to holiness congregations, Pentecostal congregations. We knew what it was to have certain standards to live by, and as long as you adhere to those standards, you were in good standing. But what we found out is a lot of those expressions were just going through the motions. There was no life to it. It was just a standard. Now again, the standard in itself is not evil, but you hear me today, these disciplines have no merit in themselves. They have no righteousness in themselves. Wow. Pastor, you're getting out there where angels fear to tread. These disciplines put us in position for God to interact in our life. The fasting in itself, I'll back it with Scripture. We were already instructed, don't fast like some are who want everybody to see how miserable you are during fasting that your breath thinks so bad nobody wants to get forty feet in front of you, and you haven't washed your face or combed your hair and you're going around with a mother go I'm just fasting for my holy God you've got your reward the Bible says you see there's no merit or righteousness in the discipline itself however fasting done correctly places you in a position for God, by His grace, to pour into your life again and again and again. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Our prayer lives, the discipline of corporate worship, by just coming in this building today, raising your hands in worship because everybody else was, doesn't make you no more saved than the man in the moon. However, in coming into this place where two or three have gathered in his name, he said, my presence is going to be there. The Bible talks about lifting up holy hands unto him. You see, he's moving in a place. How many of us came to Christ filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, healed in our physical bodies in a corporate worship setting when we weren't even asking for it, but just by being there and worship happening, we were changed in the midst by the grace of God when it comes to the baptism of the Holy Ghost I'm gonna tell you my experience I wasn't raised under a Pentecostal teaching raised in holiness Christian at age 15 I am now attending another church the anguish and pain of a previous church problem families struggling I'm in a service and a young man that was two years older than me, one of our star football players at my high school, I watched him walk down an aisle and come down to an altar and I watch 50 kids flocking. All teenagers. Well, guess what Like teenagers like to do? They like to be with other teenagers. I wasn't used to it, but you know what? Mr. Randy got up and walked down that aisle and I'm down there with the rest of them. That was wonderful. I didn't plan on that. I didn't expect that. I didn't have it in my daily agenda. And all of a sudden, I'm down there. And while I'm down there, and I'm watching, hey, I'm doing this. Have have any of you ever done this in church? You feel something, and you want to be a part of it, but you don't know what to do next, so you know what you do? (laughs) And God was in it. So I'm looking around, and I'm watching them extend their hand out and lay their hand on Deuce's shoulders, and I'm like, I can do that. I'm 15 years old. And as I do that, I start speaking in tongues. I wasn't looking for that. That's by the grace of God. Now all kind of things were going on in my head. I'd already been told Pentecostals were crazy. I'd even heard speaking in tongues was of the devil. And now it's happening to me and it's wonderful and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die. I have grown in grace, but I was in position. I was in God's house. I was under the preaching of his word. I was in corporate worship when that happened for me. If I had stayed at home watching television, that probably wouldn't have happened for me on that night. It's good preaching, Pastor. My God, you're doing That's a double one. These disciplines in themselves, it's our part. It does not make us God. Again, you can fast with the wrong motivation. You can pray with the wrong motivation. The Bible's filled with examples of like that. Don't be like the publicans who just wait for a crowd, and now I'm going to deepen my voice as I pray because I sound and look so spiritual. Well, that prayer just went... I hope I'm helping somebody today. So what's my role? Again, these disciplines in our life, there's nothing righteous about them. The old timers would say this, their habits, their holy habits. I guarantee you, if you'll take one of these and read it every day and make it a habit, it'll become a holy habit. I guarantee you, if you say, "God, I want to learn how to have a prayer life," and you go back somewhere so nobody else hears you, you're like, "God, I, I know I'm not going. I'm going to stink at this, God. I don't know how to pray. I don't know how deep in my voice. I don't know how to pray in the King James. I, I don't. You know, whatever might be in your head. I'm not trying to make fun. I'm trying to help. But that's where you start. I want to have a habit of meeting with you. I want to have a habit of talking to you. I want to have a little talk with Jesus. I want to tell you about all my troubles. And then that first time where all of a sudden the inspiration and the grace of God and gives you illumination in your mind, you didn't hear an audible voice, but you've been sharing your troubles with Jesus, and all of a sudden, I've got the answer. Where did it come from? It came from a holy habit of getting in his presence and sharing life with him. And I have a witness in the house. And you know, the longer that you do something and it becomes more ha- habitual in your life, it, it'll become natural. To where now, it's just like all of you that's played any athletics, especially for the runners in the house, those endorphins kick in. How many knows what I'm talking about? If you're an avid runner and all of a sudden you don't get to run for a few days, you know what happens to you? You get withdrawals. I just got to go run somewhere. Other people say, I never want to run, but they have not disciplined themselves to where it naturally is calling on them. You've been helping me in the natural. Keep me going. I like where I've been. I don't want to lose Who? Woo, come on, somebody. So these spiritual disciplines, once you get that discipline, that holy habit in your life, and now you get away from his word for a while, it's like, I I need to get alone with Jesus. I need to get his word in my life. I need to get a prayer partner with me again. I need to pray with sister so-and-so, brother and so-and-so, because I'm telling you, when they pray, the fire of God falls from heaven every time we meet. I need to pray with them again. How many knows what I'm talking about? So here's where we want to conclude today as we talk about the grace of God. It's a lifestyle. We talk so much about discipleship. I believe in it. But I think maybe we need to put an addendum to it. Because so many multitask. So many, if, if, if I go to all the, past, all the classes Pastor recommends and I get all my certificates and my diplomas, that's going to make me more spiritual. Not necessarily. The disciplined life, yes, puts you in position. Matter of fact, on this day, if you've already done your devotion with my utmost for his highest, he's speaking of the same thing and talks about our obedience is not righteous in itself, but it brings us into a place where God brings freshness into our life. It's the Holy Spirit that brings the freshness. So here we are again to the grace of God. Here we are talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about being a disciple of Christ. I actually like the term being a follower of Christ because it gets it closer to what has to happen. I know by nature now, being in my older years, I love learning. I'm probably more interested in learning something new every day at this time of my life than I did when I was in high school. Can I have another witness in the house? I mean, inquiring minds want to know, don't they? I don't want to quit growing. I refuse to quit growing. It's a discipline. I want to learn. I want to know more. I want to know more about Him. I want to grow in the grace of God. I want to see the grace of God in somebody else's life and watch them grow in that faith as a result of the grace of God. I want to be an instrument in the hand of God that speaks to somebody else, that touches another life, and watch God himself meet in their life, and you get to step back and not take credit, but no, God, you employed me in the changing of a life. It's being a follower. Here's the better term. If you're a disciple of Christ, then you are an apprentice to him. It's a lifetime of learning. Richard Foster, I actually came across a periodical. He's retiring from the ministry. Celebration of Discipline was written 40 years ago. And they asked him certain questions about what he has seen in his lifetime. And I love what he came back with. He said, we have learned how to multitask. What we have to learn again now is how to unitask. In church, it's no different. We can find ourselves juggling the balls, spinning the plates, being so active, multitasking for Jesus. I'm going to help somebody today, but you see what you learn is the slower you walk, the more that you can see. When you're going lickety-split, you're not looking at the trees you have no idea that your neighbor just added on to their house you have no idea that your neighbor down the street bought a brand new truck you have no idea that the neighbor in the next block had bought your old truck and now they have it and it looks better than you ever had it. because you're moving too fast this is the grace of God allowing him to be our source To unitask. I'm looking unto Him. The author and the finisher of my faith. That everything I do, I do unto Him. That doesn't make me weird. That doesn't mean I still don't like athletics. That doesn't mean I still don't like hamburgers. That doesn't mean, doesn't mean, doesn't mean, doesn't mean. What it does mean is I focus on Him. Each day I'm looking unto Him in this interactive relationship, what can you and I do together today, Jesus? Whose life can be touched? What is it that you want to bring into my life? Who do you want to bring into my life? That unitasking of realizing, I'm going to deal with other things, but I'm making sure that you and I are in right relationship. So here's where it comes down. Carrie, if you'll come to music, please. What caused me to kind of go this direction today is, I don't know about you and your responsibilities, teaching, preaching, whatever, but a lot of times the Holy Spirit just downloads a single word in my spirit. I don't necessarily always do word searches, word studies, but the word that we don't use often enough now that came into my spirit was the word master. We don't use that commonly now. Because now we're in a politically correct time in which it would have a negative connotation to it. As a culture, we, ha- we don't have anything to do with somebody mastering somebody else. And yet the Bible is replete with master, master, master. You see, what could happen to us in spiritual disciplines or anything else, we may be so driven. That we want to master prayer. That we want to master fasting. That we may want to master corporate worship. That we may want to master solitude or service. But you see, there's a world difference of us mastering something and being mastered by Him. In my life, I have responsibilities. One of my major responsibilities is being the lead pastor of this congregation. What does that mean? At the end of the day, it's my head that rolls if things go wrong. This means yes. That's just part of it. There are times I get asked to do this. What do you think about that? You need to take it. We need somebody officially to sign this to represent this house. It's my signature. I feel and bear that responsibility. You can parallel it with your world. Well, here I am now driving a school bus as well. Some of you don't know that. I'm not in charge. It's wonderful. <laughs> a couple of drivers were together and they were yammering. And I walked up. And I refuse to be negative. And I said, guys, I'll tell you my position. They don't pay me to think. They just pay me to drive. It is so liberating. I don't have to decide who gets fired. I just drive a bus. You see, the reason I brought that in is when you learn the secret of being mastered by the master, it takes all the pressure off." I can enjoy the relationship. Because at the end of the day, it's not my head that rolls, it's him. And ain't nobody gonna roll his head. At the end of the day, I can go to him and have a little talk with him and tell him about what's going on and then wait for his grace to bring the answer. I have to put myself in position to hear, I have to put myself in position to be able to receive. But again, it's his kingdom. How many believes that today? How do I know it's a kingdom? Because we have a king. And his name isn't Randy, his name is Jesus. Would you stand with me today?